Welcome to the Ministry Moment podcast. My name is Brianna Beers, and today we are tackling the tricky topic of the intersection of Christianity and politics. In an age of polarization, politicization, and partisanship, how do we as believers engage with the world and with each other in honesty and grace? Joining us in the studio to discuss that today is Dr. Mark Caleb Smith. Dr. Smith is a professor of political science and the director of the Center for Political Studies here at Cedarville University. Dr. Smith, thank you for joining us here today. It's my pleasure to be with you. Uh, can you think of a previous time in history when the United States has been so divided? Sure. I mean, I think you can look at the Civil War. You know, we had an election in 1860, and afterwards uh, we had states secede from the Union, and we killed each other, literally killed each other for four years. Um, we, I think we also had a really polarized period around the 1960s, late 1960s, where we had some political assassinations uh, we had some urban areas burned to the ground because of racial unrest and racial tension. So I think those two periods are pretty polarized, but we're living in a pretty polarized age right now as well. Mm-hmm. Where is the current division in tribalism coming from? Why now? Uh, I think there are a couple things going on. First is I think that we've redistricted ourselves into this to some extent. So uh, I know it's not a fun topic in some ways, but uh, every 10 years, Congress, uh, we have a, a census that takes place. State legislatures can then redraw congressional boundaries, especially the U.S. House boundaries. They also redraw their state House and state Senate boundaries as well. And as we've gotten more technologically advanced, we can draw those boundaries down to the block level so that we can decide who's in which district and who's in, in another district. And we can do it in such a way that we can protect people. So now we can draw boundaries to protect Republicans or to protect Democrats. So overwhelmingly, believe it or not, uh, our elected officials, mostly when they come to whatever position they're in, whether it's in Columbus or Washington or wherever it may be, they're not necessarily facing competitive elections. So what they're most worried about isn't winning a general election, winning a primary. And so if you're only worried about winning a primary, you're pulled to an extreme position to appeal to your hardcore supporters you're not pulled to a more moderate position to try to appeal to moderates or sort of uh, moderate people in the other other party. I think that's a big part of it. So our leaders are now polarized in a way that we really haven't seen um, for quite some time. I think that's a big part of it. Hmm. What's the role that the media has played? Uh, I think if we're really candid about it, I think the media benefits from the polarization because it brings conflict and it brings drama. So Uh, If you think of what is it that creates clicks or likes or sharing or ratings or whatever it may be, uh, conflict does that. And so if they can portray things as a war, for example, they can talk about a war on Christmas or a war on boys or a war on women or a war on poverty, you name it, uh, that kind of rhetoric will draw attention. And so they don't really have much of an incentive, honestly, to moderate their own point of view or to be a little bit more... Uh, independent. And on top of that, I mean, as you know, the the ethic has changed quite a bit now. They're really not broadcasting. They're narrow casting. They're looking for their own specific niche of an audience. And so that pulls them out of sort of trying to appeal to the independent or to the moderate person. Now they're looking, okay, where can I maximize my ad revenue at the most loyal base that I can get? That's their perspective. Mm-hmm. To talk specifically about Christianity and politics, um, the elephant in the room, is there a historical link between conservative politics and Christianity in the U.S.? And if so, why? When did this come to be? You know, there's really not. I mean, when we look at it over time, there's really not this link between conservative Christianity um, and conservative politics necessarily. 
this became more of, a, an, of an overt thing really in the late 1970s, early 1980s with the growth of what we would call now the Christian right or then the moral majority, um, where there's a deliberate political effort to sort of build a relationship between the Republican Party and conservative evangelical Christians. Before that, evangelicals are fairly well split between the parties. Um, we don't really see a period in our history where they're broadly connected to one party like we do now. And so starting then, um, evangelicals have been overwhelmingly Republican uh, to the point where they typically vote 70 to 80 or plus 80 percent for the Republican candidate for the presidency, for example. And that makes them a little bit more politically conservative by definition. Um, on top of all that, I think you have to say the Republican Party also is probably a little bit more conscious of American history and the American founding. So Christianity has gotten woven into the American founding, the American culture, the American political identity in a way that we don't, we really haven't seen um, much earlier in the last 40 or 50 years. So the connection's there, and it's real, but it hasn't always looked like this. Hmm. Why did that happen in the 1970s? Uh a lot of reasons, but one of them would be that uh, some divisive social issues really came onto the scene in the 1960s and 1970s. Uh, the most obvious of them would be abortion, but also think of things like school prayer, gay rights, women's rights, things like that. The two political parties began to gravitate. They began to move around those positions. And so the Democratic Party began to be more progressive on all those issues. The Republican Party grew to become more traditional on those issues. And I think for a lot of evangelical Christians, it made their decision a lot harder in some ways. You know, how are you going to stay with the party, the Democrats, let's say, that tends to be very progressive on this host of social issues, whereas the Republicans tend to be a little bit more consistent um, on these social issues. And so I think that was part of it for sure. Um, and also Republicans had a deliberate strategy. I mean, they nominated candidates who are very skillful at appealing to conservative Christians uh, like a Ronald Reagan, um, who really built a bigger Republican tent and included them. Hmm. Uh, do you think the association of the church with one side of the political spectrum is uh, a net positive or is it damaging to the church? How has that relationship changed since 1970? Oh, boy. Um, I, th I think it's honestly fairly damaging to the church to be solidified with one political party. Um now, you can argue if one of the parties is more clearly in your interest than the other. I understand that. But once the church gets connected to a political point of view and a political party, um, it begins to be identified as that. And so in many people's minds, when they hear that I'm an evangelical Christian, they see me first as a Republican conservative before they see me as an evangelical Christian. And I think that's a problem. Um, I'd rather them see me for my faith than for my political commitments. And so when there's diversity within the church politically, then I think you're more likely to have people understanding you religiously first and not politically. Um, I think also, if you look at it historically, whenever the church has gotten overly connected with one political group or one political party or set of powers, um, it can be very destructive for the church. You know, they, they tend to focus more on political authority and political power, um, and they tend to lose track of things like the gospel. You know, it's one of the reasons why in America we've had a pretty strong disconnect between the institutional church and the government um, because uh, of our European history and culture. 
when those two things overlapped a lot, you saw the church abuse its power. You saw the government abuse the church in some ways. And I think it's better if we're more separate in, a t in an institutional sense. I'm not, I don't think people should withdraw from politics or quit voting or quit associating with the party. But uh, I think it's a little dangerous when the church starts to become overly connected to one political point of view. Hmm. What is the church's role when it comes to political issues? Uh, you know, this is up for grabs right now, as you know. Um, we are arguing about this an awful lot in our culture, and I think it's the right argument to have. Uh, I, and on the one hand, I don't think the church can avoid politics. I mean, politics is part of our lives here. It's part of our citizenship and earthly kingdoms. Political issues are just going to be around us all the time. And sometimes those political issues are moral. Sometimes they cut against theological positions that we take. And so I think it's good for the church to take a stand in certain areas. I don't think you can really avoid that. <clears throat> At the same time, you know, I don't really want the church to be entangled with the government and entangled with particular points of view. And so to me, ideally, the church should, should stick to promoting morality, uh, promoting a moral point of view as it might relate to politics. But uh, personally, uh, I get a little bit nervous when churches begin to do things like become uh, endorsing candidates, even if it's sort of a silent endorsement of a kind. Um, I get a little bit nervous when they become overly attached to a particular party or local, even a local or state party. Um, I would rather they maintain a little bit more separation. The church, I think, is there primarily to equip the people of God and to disciple them. And it's also there to fulfill the Great Commission. Uh, politics, if it's there, should come farther down the list. And when politics comes a little bit closer to the top of that list, I think you see negative effects in the church. So it's a tough answer, right? I'm not saying we should withdraw. Then again, I don't think we should be only political. We have to sort of figure out what that in-between position is. Where do we as individual Christians tend to fail in how we approach political discourse? I think we fail most dramatically when we simply refuse to follow what the Word of God clearly teaches about politics and how we should approach it. Um, you know, I think it's pretty straightforward. The Bible tells us that we should uh, honor our leaders and respect them. It tells us that we should submit to them, uh, that we should pray for them, that we should pay our taxes. Um, and we tend to fail at these things, honestly. Uh, we tend to have a, a hard time honoring and respecting people of different parties, for example, uh, honoring and respecting presidents that we don't agree with politically. Um, I don't think we're doing a good job right now presenting ourselves to the world in the way that Christ would have us to present ourselves in a political sense. Um, I think the Bible's pretty straightforward on this. Uh, you know, we're called to be salt and light. And that means being countercultural. It means doing things that we're called to do, even if they're uncomfortable and even if they put us in a difficult position politically. Uh, but right now, uh, I think we as a body of Christ are having a hard time in this area. So, you know, my prayer is that we get better in this. Mm -hmm. What does it look like to disagree well, be it with a fellow believer or with someone outside the church? So uh, let's start with the fellow believer. I mean, I think with the fellow believer, it depends on the nature of the disagreement, obviously. Uh, if it's about a political issue or if it's about a difference of opinion, then you'd hope that you can keep worshiping side by side, right? You'd hope that that wouldn't come and become a divisive issue within the church. Um, you'd hope that you wouldn't drag leadership into those kinds of disagreements that take place within the church. Um, I would hope that people could exist alongside each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, fellowship with each other, love each other, um, and function as a body of Christ, even when they have these kind of disagreements. And so in a sense, it shouldn't be evident, right? I mean, within church, we should have these disagreements. They should just be normal, and we shouldn't treat each other any differently because of it. 
um, when it escalates and when it begins to involve leadership and when you say, well, I vote this way, they vote that way, we need to bring the leadership in to resolve this, well, there's no dispute, right? But when you drag leadership into this, it's going to become a church-wide dispute, and I think that's a problem. Um, <clears throat> so I would think, I would hope that people could keep these kind of disagreements in perspective and treat each other with respect within the body of Christ, even when they disagree. Externally, you know, I think that you have to understand that whenever you interact with a non-believer, whether it's on a political issue or a social issue or anything, um, I want them to see the love of Christ first. So my opinion, frankly, isn't as important as maintaining that love of Christ with them. That doesn't mean I'm going to always agree with them. It doesn't mean I'm going to lie to them. But it means that when I have a disagreement with them, I want them to understand that it's coming from a position of love and respect, not a position of dominance or not a position of, if you disagree with me, then we can never be friends. Um, and so to me, I want to maintain my public witness when I have disagreement. I want them to know the disagreement doesn't define how I see them. You know, that they are a lost soul in need of God's grace, and I should be demonstrating that grace to them even when we disagree. Um, now, there are times where you're going to disagree over something that's just fundamental, right? Um, they don't think Jesus is the Son of God, and I do. Okay, that's fine, but we can still disagree, and I can still love them, and I can still be have a relationship with them even if we disagree on that. So I think the key to me is when I disagree with someone, uh, I want to make sure that I don't perceive them as my enemy just because we disagree. But then, of course, as Scripture tells us, even if they're my enemy— I'm expected to love them. So if that love isn't coming through, even through a disagreement, that I'm failing. Awesome. Those are all my questions. Dr. Smith, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, no. I mean, I think it's an important topic. And uh, right now I'm worried. I'm not sure we're in the right atmosphere to hear this topic. So mm -hmm. people are so committed and they're so almost tribalistic that it's a tough, tough time to talk about these issues. But I think it's a good topic. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Yep, it's my pleasure.